Kingdom, Ireland, Europe, and Africa. This is William Eastman, Managing Partner for GrowthWorks Media and Station Director at IBGR. If you listen to any of our broadcasts, you know we consider all entrepreneurs part of one family. People who are the heroes of our societies because they put their soul into the game and risk failure for everybody else. We want to meet and get to know everyone, like having a family reunion. Plus, to provide the highest quality of programming, we need to hear from you. The place to start is to become a subscriber. Every week we will send you our broadcasting schedule, links to show notes, and occasionally a gift like something practical from our toolbox. It is simple to do. Go to our Join Us page, sign up, and become part of the most important global community, entrepreneurs. Never forget, we create over 50% of the jobs around the world. We look forward to meeting you. Nothing's good that yours is bad. This is William Eastman, Managing Partner for GrowthWorks Media and Station Director for IBGR. One of my jobs is finding great on-air talent, consultants and business owners with presence and a story to tell. We're expanding our broadcast team to represent our four core time zones, North America, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, and the Philippines, the India subcontinent, and the last of four, United Kingdom, Ireland, Europe, and Africa. If you are a small business consultant or business owner and would like to audition for an on-air slot in our six-hour show cycle, Contact the station director, and that is at programming at btr.network. We will respond to your email within one business day. Thanks for listening, and don't miss this great opportunity to put the world back to work and grow with us. Thanks. to ibgr.network ibgr is our call sign as a radio more than just a radio show. We are a network. I am your host, Dr. Tracy Hines Lashley. This episode number four is our D-Lane. At the IBGR.network, SOPs are available for all processes. Go to our website at IBGR.network and download the show notes. You know, we were talking about you know, building up your teams and making sure you're not doing this all alone. So and remember again, this is process-based, not people-based. We are in a people lane, but we are talking about processes right now. 
you must define the scope. It's possible that the SOP you're working, you're working on is dependent on other SOPs and teams in other departments. Remember we talked about that in the last ses session. We talked about how the processes can actually cross boundaries. So we need to ensure that our portion for our department is good, but also as a leader of the organization, you must ensure that all of your processes are good and they all align up to each other. One of the tools that I use is I have a spreadsheet and it lists all of my SOPs, all of my processes. It lists the actual dates when they were created. It actually lists the date that it was signed, which is very important. We'll discuss that later. And it also addresses any changes that we have. So as a leader, again, you must ensure that you're tracking all of your processes, all of your SOPs, not just in one particular area, but all of them. And determine if the SOP is sufficient to reference those other procedures or if you need to add them. Because sometimes we're looking at our process and we're like, wait, there's a gap, okay? It's okay, just go back to the drawing board or just go back and modify that actual process and make sure there is a procedure that perfectly aligns with it. If there's a gap, figure out where it needs to be filled, which department it needs to go to because you want to ensure that department, those employees understand what to do. And I can tell you in the organization where I work full time, it can be very frustrating for an employee to be working off of a standard, an SOP, and no one told them that it needed to change. It will cause chaos, cause chaos and confusion for not only that particular department, but the other one. Why? Because the other department already knows about the changes and gets frustrated because said apartment is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But guess what? They have no idea. So if you want to ensure that your organization doesn't have this chaotic moment, let's try and, you know, communicate across the board top down, bottom up, however you do it, just make sure that everyone knows their place. They're, they feel valued. Because sometimes what'll happen is employees won't feel valued anymore because they were left in the dark. Well, I must not be important enough to ensure that I'm following the proper procedures because they didn't tell me about the changes. That's something that you do not want to happen in your organization. You know, and it's important to identify the audience. Knowing your audience helps you determine how you should write your document. There are some questions you might ask yourself. What is their prior knowledge? Are they already familiar with the organization and procedures? Do they already know the terminology? Have they become complacent and need a refresher? you need to write to your audience's knowledge level. As I said before, you know, don't dumb it down a little bit, but not too much. You don't want it to be too complicated. 
you know, in, in today's society, you also have to ensure that the language is where anyone can pick it up. Because if an employee picks up that SOP and the English is not their native language, language, what is going to happen if we use a lot of jargon, you know, slang, we, we don't want to do that. We want our employees to feel comfortable and safe and understand what is required of them. And when you're writing your SOP, when your draft, your draft should include a title page, table of contents, and specific procedures. Before we get into too much details, let's talk about the writing style. You first, you want to be clear and consistent. It will frustrate your readers if you're not. And there are four types of writing styles. Now, you don't want to use too many writing styles when you're writing your, you're drafting your SOP. You either want to provide explanations and descriptions. You want to be persuasive and be, you know, convince someone of doing something. You want to be descriptive where you're serving or seeking to describe. Or you want to do it a narrative based, you know, telling stories. Depending on the type of organization you have, you might have that story-based story um, writing style. And start with action commands. Always use a verb at the beginning of a statement for a task. This kind of language provides clarity. Be concise. Do not waffle in the SOP's report. Be clear and convey the important information only. Talk to the air rather than the reader. And make it scannable. Put the actionable sections first and follow with an explanation. This will eliminate readers from sitting through paragraphs of text and every time they have to look at the SOP. This is a time waster also. So when you have your SOP in front of you, you want to make sure that you know exactly where to go. So we talked about the title page. The title of the procedure is important and be consistent. You're either going to use all uppercase or upper and lower. Just make sure they're uniform across your organization. This could drive certain um, behavioral styles crazy. Uh, a publication date is also required. And a number scheme. You know, number your SOPs so that anyone will know, hey, they can look at your spreadsheet. I talked about that earlier. That's something else you can put into your um, SOP, your, your document. You have that spreadsheet, you have the SOP identification number. So there might be somewhere saying that, hey, I have D46.8. Okay, you look at your spreadsheet, you look that up, all right, and you know exactly which SOP that belongs to. And we talked about the publication date and revision date. Those are also important. You need to track your changes. You know, include a table. In the SOPs that I use, I have a table that will show me the date that it was created, any revisions that were made, who made those revisions, 
that's also key because if people are making changes, you want to know when they made the change and who did it. And also explain the particular changes. If I changed section B, like paragraph four, state that on the, on the table. Because when you're stating that information and someone picked that SOP up for second, third, fourth, fifth time, they know exactly what changes were made. And so if they're looking for that particular information, they go directly to that and say, okay, yep, these are, these are changes made. Okay, now I know what I need to do. And you also want to have the name, the role, and the organization, the division, or a branch, or whatever you, you know, you use in your organization for each different department. And you want to have a signature block. This is very important. You want leadership to actually sign off on these documents because that will be the, the line to cross say, hey, okay, I understand this is going on in my organization. I agree with it. If they don't agree with it, they'll kick it back to you. Make the changes. It comes right back. Review. Okay, fine. Got it. We're good. And they sign off on it. And as I stated before, we need to have these reviews, annual reviews. Sometimes six every six months, people review their documents. Because you never know. It might come up with an inspection. And your requirements need to be met. And all documents may or may not have a table of content. If you decide to have a table of content, you know, make sure that the number scheme is right and the formatting is correct because you don't want to lead your, your reader to the wrong direction. Join us. Become a member of our Insiders Network by going to our website and click the Join Us and connect and interact on social media, Facebook, IG, and LinkedIn, and Twitter. You have been listening to show episode D4004. SOPs are available for all 